Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, I'm Mike Reese. I've been writing for The Simpsons for 30 years. In my free time, I've visited 130 countries, not by choice. Find out where I've gone, what I've done, and most of all, what am I doing here? Fans of this podcast, if we had any, may be wondering, Are all the crazy stories on this show true? The answer is absolutely. Sometimes I combine two good stories into one great one. A few times I've inserted myself into a story I wasn't really part of. And often I write myself something witty to say, when at the time what I really said was, God damn it, why did we have to spend all this money to come to this horrible place? But I never lie. Not that I don't want to. Surely not that I have some moral objection to it. I just can't lie. I've never been good at it, not even as a kid. And children, bless their hearts, are lying little sacks of crap. You might think my inability to lie would make me a great husband. For example, when I tell my wife she looks beautiful, she knows I mean it. But when she asks me, Does this dress make my ass look fat? Well, she learned long ago not to ask me things like that. I'm telling you this because when you travel as much as I do, you're asked to lie constantly. For example, I was flying to Toronto to give a lecture, and my host told me, when you get to the border, they'll ask you if you're there for business or pleasure. Say pleasure. If you say business, they'll tie you up with paperwork for two hours. That was the lie I had to tell. One word. Pleasure. And yet, as I approached Canadian border control, I was sweating like I had a keister stuffed with balloons of heroin. The kindly border guard asked, Are you here for business or pleasure? I'd been rehearsing the lie all night. Pleasure! I blurted. Wow, you came for pleasure, but you're only staying one night. I cracked under this relentless interrogation. Okay, it's business. I'm giving a speech at the Toronto UJA, and even though it's a charity, I'm getting paid $1,250. About 90 minutes into filling out paperwork, I realized he wasn't questioning me. He was being blandly friendly. He was being Canadian. The next lie was on an actual pleasure trip to visit a friend in Copenhagen. He took me out to dinner at Noma, which for years had been ranked as the best restaurant in the world. When he saw me weaken and grow pale looking at the price list, he told me, Don't worry, I'm paying for this. I relaxed instantly until he added, But for tax purposes, you'll have to tell people you're my doctor. I was unable to enjoy the meal that followed, worried that someone in the restaurant would start choking and someone else would yell, Is there a doctor in the restaurant? I'd have to stand up and say, Yes, I'm pretending to be a doctor. This small lie ruined an amazing meal. One course was very rare reindeer steak served with a hunting knife. The next course, and remember folks, I never lie to you. The next course was clover in dirt served on a large rock. Do we eat the dirt? I asked the waiter. He nodded. Do we eat the rock? He shook his head. Sanity prevailed. The dish was actually delicious, but I kept picturing the chef watching from the kitchen, laughing and elbowing the maitre d'. I served them dirt on a rock, and they ate it! A few years later, my wife booked us a trip to Iraq because, you know, she's crazy. I filled out my visa application listing my religion as Jewish. They ask you religion in those countries. 
and I listed my occupation as writer. The travel agent called Natizzi. They'll never let you into Iraq if you say you're a Jewish writer. Well, I'm not Isaac Besheva Singer. I'm Jewish and a writer, but I'm not particularly good at either. By the way, that's one of those witty lines I thought up later. I think my actual response was, Yippee, I'm not going to Iraq. But the travel agent had been through all of this before. If I wanted to go to Iraq, and I didn't, I'd have to list myself as a Catholic publicist. I told the travel agent I had no idea what a publicist does. I know what Catholics do, which is mostly stuff they're not supposed to do. The travel agent said, Don't worry, it'll never come up. It came up almost immediately. I hadn't even left the country. The clerk at Iraqi Air in New York was scrutinizing my visa. So, you're a publicist. What exactly do you do? I publicize things that need publicity. You know, basic PR. And what does PR stand for? I don't know. Denise continued our Axis of Evil tour by booking a trip to North Korea. This time, lying would not be a luxury, but a necessity. That region had repeatedly kidnapped visiting actors, writers, and directors, and forced them to make films for the government. Check out Pulgasari on YouTube. It's a North Korean ripoff of Godzilla, made by a Chinese director who came to Pyongyang for a film festival and wound up as a hostage for eight years. I wouldn't fall into that trap. On my visa form, under occupation, I put teacher instead of what I was tempted to write, comic genius. Two weeks later, the North Korean consulate called to tell us that they'd gone to China and Googled me, since North Korea has no internet. They found out who I was and what I've done, and that I was welcome to visit their country without fear. The implication was clear. They'd reviewed my writing credits and decided I wasn't worth kidnapping. I was pissed. Denise has been known to lie herself. We were touring Honduras, and the highlight of that trip was a visit to a banana packaging center. The fact that this was the highlight tells you everything you need to know about Honduras and why you should avoid it like the plague. We arrived at Banana Central only to be turned away gruffly by the foreman. My wife cried, Don't you know who I am? I'm Nicole Kidman. For the record, my wife is not Nicole Kidman, but she does resemble her more than, say, I do. It seemed like a real long shot, but it worked. The burly banana boxers ushered us in and were giving us a tour when their foreman came out and put an end to the charade. Either he'd never heard of Nicole Kidman, or more likely, he was not a fan of her work. I jumped in, naming the one celebrity I resemble. Don't you know who I am? I'm the late Maury Amsterdam. We got tossed out. Most recently, we lied to see a solar eclipse. Eclipses are great for the adventure traveler because they happen at random times in random places every year and a half. The last one was in Wyoming, the next one's in Antarctica. It's always a risky proposition. We went to Cairns, Australia for one eclipse. Just as it began, a squat little cloud sailed in front of the sun, sat for three solid minutes, then moved on just after the eclipse finished. It was timed like a Terry Gilliam cartoon, although he'd have had the cloud exit with a comical fart. <laughs> and aren't all farts comical? 
In 2020, the solar eclipse was visible in Argentina, a country that wasn't letting Americans in because of COVID. So my crafty wife signed us up for an expedition that was being allowed in. We just had to pretend to be scientists. To review, in my career as a lying traveler, I've had to pose as a doctor, a teacher, a scientist, a publicist, and a Catholic. These are all tough jobs. Why can't I pose as something easy, like a Walmart greeter or a network executive? The biggest problem with joining a science expedition is that you have to travel with real scientists. If they weren't talking about high-level astrophysics, they weren't saying anything at all. Each morning, I'd be greeted by silence when I asked them stumpers like, did you sleep well? Or how was breakfast? It was like being trapped for three days in an episode of The Big Bang Theory, and I was the cute girl. Why must I always be the cute girl? I was flattered when a young German scientist came to me with a question. He said, I sent mein colleague a photo of me at the beach. He wrote back, I'm sorry the weather is so bad, but the weather was not bad. It was beautiful. Why would he say this? I replied, I think it was a joke. A joke? It seemed to be a new concept to him. Unless you have a few hours to kill, don't try to explain a joke to an astrophysicist, especially a German one. The expedition began in beautiful, fun-filled Buenos Aires, but for the eclipse itself, we'd be trucked to Patagonia. Four hours before the eclipse, we were dumped in an open horse pasture with no shelter from the gale force winds. Denise and I tried to explore the area, but the field was ankle deep in thorns and horse manure. This was my Sophie's choice. Step in thorns to avoid horse crap, or step in horse crap to avoid thorns. Of course, there's going to be horse manure in a horse pasture, but it was shocking to see these great piles and pyramids of it everywhere. This was Argentina's strategic horse crap reserve. And then at 1.08 p.m., all of this ceased to matter. The moon crept in front of the sun, the sky faded from midday brightness to midnight blue, the scientists gurgled in nerdy delight, and the horses stopped crapping. They were literally scared shitless. For two minutes and six seconds, the sun was an eerie black circle you could stare straight at. It was so wrong and so beautiful. I was even grateful to those Patagonia winds for keeping the clouds at bay. It was worth it. All the expense, all the travel, all the lying, all that horse crap, just for two minutes of pure excitement. Sounds like our honeymoon. <laughs> that was my wife. Now she's lying. I'm not lying. And now, a bonus feature called Further Fun with Astrophysics. In college, I'd go out drinking every night around 3 or 4 p.m. Sometimes I'd ask my friend Saul along, but he'd always reply, No, I'm studying. Forty years have passed. I now host a podcast ignored by millions of listeners. And what did all that studying get Saul? It got him the Nobel Prize in Physics. My friend Saul Perlmutter figured out that the cosmos is actually speeding up as it expands, upsetting all known models of the universe. And Saul is not even the most famous astrophysicist in our college class. That would be Neil deGrasse Tyson. Of course, back then, we just knew him as Neil Tyson, possibly because he smoked deGrasse. Wink! I mentioned Neil because we went to him for a recommendation on a trip we wanted to take. A trip, a trip to, to Mars. Mars. 
See, back in 2018, Earth was closer to Mars than it had been in centuries. Two civilian flights to Mars were planned to take advantage of this. One was a Dutch reality show that intended to send 25 passengers to colonize Mars. There was no plan to bring them back. They were sending them there to die. And the show got 250,000 applications. A more serious mission was planned to send two astronauts to circle Mars, take photos, and hopefully return. There was a 1 in 3 shot of dying from radiation sickness and a 90% chance of getting cancer from the trip. The organizers were looking for a childless middle-aged couple on the premise that if they died, who cared? Denise signed us up. For her, it was the adventure of a lifetime. For me, it was a year and a half of free food and board. For once, I was in. I even had a selling point. I could write funny tweets for Mars. America's space program is a story of technological triumph and raw courage. But can you think of one funny thing any astronaut ever said? 60 years without one decent joke. Neil Armstrong, great American, lousy comic. Surprisingly, Neil deGrasse Tyson endorsed us, saying, If any couple could do this, it should be you. We even made it to the second tier of consideration. We took a trip to Purdue University to see a model of our spaceship. It was about the size of an RV. Most people couldn't imagine spending 18 months in something this small. But we were New York apartment dwellers, used to cramped spaces. A place this big in Manhattan would go for 3000 a month. In the end, both Mars expeditions fell apart. The one we wanted to go on failed for lack of financing. An internet tycoon put up the first billion dollars, but no one would put up the other five billion. As for the Dutch reality show, they only had $28,000. That wouldn't get you to Mars by bus. If only the public knew that the mission might kill me, they'd have chipped in. Ah well, that's one small loss for man. One giant loss for funny tweets. On future shows, I'll take you everywhere I've been, from the North Pole to North Korea, Chile to Chernobyl, Qatar to... something that starts with a Q. Cuba. What Am I Doing Here was written and recorded by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, featuring Renee Balsay as the friendly Canadian and Denise Reese as herself. Additional voices by Trevor Morris. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.